0: We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I am so, so thrilled to have my next guest here. I totally admire everything that she is doing. And I really wanted to have her on. So her name is Lisa Curtis, and she is the founder and CEO of Cooly Cooly. And Cooly Cooly's products consist of superfood powders and snacks right now, and all are made from sustainable superfood ingredient called moringa. And if you are not familiar with moringa, then you need to go and get familiar with moringa, and definitely try some of the Cooly Cooly products. So the products are are sustainably sourced from small farmers around the world and sold in 11,000 U.S. stores. We are going to talk a lot more with Lisa about Moringa and how Cooley Cooley is leading the category pioneering Moringa and all of its benefits. Lisa has an incredible story herself as she started working on Cooley Cooley while she was serving in the Peace Corps. And I can't wait to hear more about her journey and hear, like I said, a lot more around what she's doing in scaling Cooly Cooly to where it is today. So welcome, Lisa.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having
0: me. Absolutely. So let's start at the beginning. I'd love for you to share with listeners a little bit more about the company, Cooly Cooly Foods, and what is the backstory and what is this ingredient, Moringa as well, but wherever you want to start with this.
1: Yeah. I mean, so I think, you know, for a lot of folks who are like, Moringa, what is that? Maybe I've heard of it. Um, So I actually hadn't heard of Moringa myself until about 10 years ago. Like you mentioned, I was in the Peace Corps as a volunteer in Niger, West Africa, and felt like I wasn't getting the right nutrients in my diet. So I asked some of the women in my village what I could eat that would give me more energy, give me more protein, kind of give me all the the good stuff my body was lacking. And they literally pulled these leaves off a tree and mixed them into this popular West African peanut snack called Kuli Kuli. And said, so, you know, eat this, this will make you feel better. At the time, I'd never heard of Moringa. I'd never thought to eat like leaves off a tree seemed a little weird, uh, but trusted these women and you know, at that point like felt kind of so fatigued all the time that I'd do anything to, to get my energy back. So started eating it and just was amazed at the profound impact that it had. Um and so I did a little research. I was like, oh my gosh, this plant is packed with protein, calcium, iron, vitamins. It's been used in Ayurvedic medicine for thousands of years. It's called the tree of life all over the African continent. It's the national vegetable of the Philippines. It's just so important to so many cultures um, and you know has all these both like nutritional and medicinal benefits. But uh, I had never heard of it. Most Americans hadn't heard of it. Um, and my actually initial goal was just uh, how do I get more people locally, like more of the women that I was working with to grow it and use it. And the thing that they really wanted was, you know, how can you help us sell some of it? We're not going to grow a crop that we can't sell. So why don't you help us sell it in the US? So... Long story short, I was like, sure, no problem. I'll help you sell Moringa in the U.S., not, not totally knowing what I was signing up for um, and started coolly, coolly out of that.
0: That's amazing. And so you felt like you could actually be helping uh, these farmers as well to make some money. Um, but yeah. again, you had no idea what it would take. And what year was this?
1: Uh, this was 2009, believe it or not. So Amazing. Yeah, it, was the, it was in the Peace Corps 2009, 2010, and then started working on Coolie Coolie as like, kind of a side hustle passion project when I got back in 2011. I love
0: that. So I always share with want to be entrepreneurs that it always takes longer than you ever thought. And so when I see plans that show, oh, we're going to flip this in three years or five years, it's just no matter what industry you're in, the likelihood is very low that it will actually happen.
1: Totally. And I I think it's even harder when you're trying to do something totally new, and in our case, it was like building a supply chain from scratch. And there were a lot of early years of just figuring out, like, how do we get merengue to the U.S.? How do we get it to, you know, hit American quality standards? And how do we do that in a way that's like sourcing and supporting small farmers? Um, so we didn't didn't launch on the market until. 2014. So like you mentioned, like, even even when people say their launch dates, there's often like, you know, a few years of just kind of thinking through things, figuring things out before that.
0: And before how often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. You actually were in the Peace Corps. And then after the Peace Corps, you were You were not doing consumer products. Uh, Just share a little bit more about what you were up to.
1: Yeah. So I um, had never worked in CPG until starting my own CPG company, um, but had done a few other things. I would worked at a tech startup doing, kind of running all their communications for uh, this clean energy tech company, Mosaic. And I had also spent some time in the White House under President Obama. Um, and then I worked quite a bit with the United Nations Environment Program. So was always very interested in like politics and international policy and, and kind of sustainable development um, and found that starting a business was my pathway into that.
0: When you were trying to figure out how to help these people that you had met uh, in, in the, the, the farmers, uh, but also figuring out kind of where you would actually sell it and uh, make some money uh, for yourself and also for uh, the people that you were sourcing from. What
1: was your first thing that you had to figure out? You know, I think the first thing was really the question of will people buy this? Um, because most folks hadn't heard of moringa. Um, you know, it was really a question of like, is this product like even interesting to an American consumer? And if so, in what format? And so I uh, recruited some of my friends. One of my friends from childhood at the time was uh, working at a consumer package good consulting firm, helping big companies like General Mills and and Kellogg's and others test out new product concepts. And so we actually kind of used her methodology, but did it on like, uh, you know a 20th of the budget uh, we did it on like a couple thousand dollars where we created a bunch of products in a commercial kitchen we sort of assembled our own ad hoc focus groups um, trying out marine and a bunch of different products and then we actually took it to farmers markets and we did um, what they what she called shotgun surveys where you know everybody who came by we were doing the what is the the demographic, you know, male, female, did they have kids with them, approximate age? Um, did they like it? You know, what did they try? Did they like it? And then did they buy it? And really trying to get a sense of like our conversion rate and knowing that if we didn't hit like that 15% mark was sort of what her threshold was that she knew of, that um, we weren't going to launch it. And we're we're consistently hitting around 20. So we're like, okay, maybe maybe we have something. Maybe we can do this.
0: That's awesome. It's interesting that you mentioned farmers' markets because when we were first starting out at hint, there just really weren't farmers' markets that mm. were you know were in the bay area. I mean, it just wasn't happening, and so the question was how do we get people to try the product and sample and sort of the only alternative at that point seventeen years ago was to uh sample inside of whole foods and mm-hmm. and so you know, it was kind of the same thing, but it actually was much more, um, probably not exactly. It was sort of skewed just with that audience of people who would come into Whole Foods versus like somebody who goes to a farmer's market. I would think like it was, it. I mean, it's pretty vast, I think. so. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I think for us, it was actually, we ended up doing a ton of demos in Whole Foods too. I remember reading from your book and just like, totally relating to that like glamorous ceo life of like passing out samples in a whole Foods store and and talking to customers um so that was once we got a buyer at whole foods interested we got kind of a norkel buyer to agree to, to bring us in then of course the the big question is like how do you get these products to fly off the shelf and how do you build a sales story and so we were just like all right let's do as many demos as we possibly can every weekend, you know, every kind of like Friday, Thursday night, like standing in a Whole Foods, passing out samples was, was my life for at least the first couple of years.
0: I love that visual because it's, uh, it is so reminiscent in many ways of, of the early days of the company I founded Hint. But I'm so curious, what was the product that you were sampling with the people at the farmer's market?
1: Yeah. So we ended up deciding was that kind of folks associated the benefits of Moringa really on the nutritional side and that making it into a bar was probably the best way to convey, like, this is a nutritional bar. Like everybody knows what to do with a bar as opposed to powder. Um, So we started out with bars and that was really where we launched. It's interesting now because it's such a small percent of our revenue. We have them, you know, we still sell bars. We mostly sell them on e-commerce, not as much in retail. And so our our product line shifted a lot uh, over the years. But I, I think that was our first foot in the door.
0: So you then got it into Whole Foods. Was that your first
1: store? That was, yeah. And that was a really interesting meeting where like stayed up all night making these little bars, like by hand, you know, in a commercial kitchen, um, kind of prepping this whole pitch. Um, and then me and my co-founder, who was, you know, the one that had some experience in CPG, we, we walked into the Whole Foods Northern California office and and had to, into this meeting with a buyer and had everything ready to go. And she was like, oh, Moringa. I just saw this on Dr. Oz. I love Moringa. We need a Moringa product. Let's do it. They're like, really? That's it? That's amazing. (laughs) It it remains the best sales meeting I've ever had. They're never never quite as easy as that. Um, But that was somehow just by luck. She had just heard about it and had just gotten interested in it and they didn't have anything like it. Um, So that was her first break.
0: So lucky because it it is so true. I mean, we've We definitely, we started in Whole Foods as well, but as I've shared with entrepreneurs over the years, like the the buyer is kind of has the keys to the kingdom a little bit. You know, there's so many products if you ever want to know how many, you know, potential products there are in in the natural food industry and what the competition is. go to Expo West. I mean, and you'll see, you know, so many people there and they're great products. And, but, you know, if the buyer just doesn't think that it's uh, for them or it doesn't taste good for whatever reason, uh, whatever it is, or in our case, our buyer for a while in certain regions loves sugar. And so he just didn't see why you would, launch an unsweetened flavored water instead of actually looking at who the consumer is. It's, it's a crazy, crazy world. So, um, But that's, that's amazing. So the other thing that I love about your story, too, as you and I have discussed, you weren't just launching a new company, but an entirely new category. And so there's a ton of education. Not a lot of people knew what Moringa was. How hard was that and you didn't have competition either right I mean this is we
1: didn't we we do now but we didn't yeah. back then um it is it's hard I mean I think it is there's like this first to market double-edged sword in some respect like you know we got a, a ton of earned media we got a lot of people like interested in us kind of talking about us because you know, new superfood. Like, what is this superfood? What are you doing? How are you sourcing it from small farmers in Africa? Like, uh, people do, were just really interested in it, um, but we had to do a, so much education. You know, at one point we were doing 400 demos a year in Whole Foods alone. It was just like constantly people in stores talking to customers. Thankfully, at that point we had it. We had a full team of field marketers. It wasn't me doing that. Um, but we, we really have focused heavily on consumer education.
0: Definitely. So you have great distribution. Any advice for entrepreneurs who are trying to get traction on, you know, maybe they've got this idea for a new company, but maybe they're also trying to launch something that no one else has done.
1: I think the biggest thing is sometimes entrepreneurs, like, build up this whole idea of, like you said, like, I have to go to from zero to 100 right away. And like, you know, I need to get everything perfect right away. And um, I think there's a lot of value in starting small testing, learning and refining. Um, I think a lot about our farmers market days. And well, believe me, you know, I don't want to go back to making food in a commercial kitchen. Um, It was really amazing just how quickly we could iterate on the packaging on the formula and just like test, learn, iterate, test, learn, iterate. Versus now, you know, we 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 make our MOQs are like hundreds of thousands of units. We're printing out packaging like six months in advance. There's a, a lot of things that as you get to scale, it makes it harder to test and learn in the consumer package goods space. And so I think, you know, folks need to be really focused on like what can I what's the the small step I can stake take today, whether it's, you know, testing out things in like one whole food store or doing demos at a farmer's market, or, you know, how do I just create some sort of product that I can test and iterate on?
0: Can we talk about notifications for a second? Who actually leaves those sounds on anymore? Well, besides this one, that's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere, whether your business is vintage teas or hint water. Shopify makes it possible for businesses to connect with their consumers. Shopify powers millions of businesses from first scale to full scale by helping them set up their online store in the vibe they want. You can sell products, gain new customers, and get the data you need to operate your business in a simple and fast way. And with Shopify, you can synchronize your online and in-person sales and view all your sales metrics in one place. You can reach your customers through tons of social media platforms as well, like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram through Shopify's growing suite of social media channels. Shopify has all the sales channels sorted so your business keeps growing from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform too. And if you're looking for a solution that has great customer service support, well, Shopify has that as well. Their team is always super helpful answering any questions that I've had in growing my business. Their team really makes you feel like they have your success in mind. Join me and millions of other businesses on Shopify today and take your business to the next level. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash Kara, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kara to start selling online today. That's shopify.com slash Kara. What was the most surprising thing to you walking into this industry? I mean, you actually, I mean, you had great, Luck on getting it into Whole Foods, but is there anything that was kind of surprising to you that you
1: were shocked about? I think I was shocked how expensive it is to launch a, a food brand, and how or you know CBG in general. And I think how much my job for the first couple of years was fundraising and just like fully focused on like, can I get enough money to actually launch and scale? And like, even if Whole Foods, you know, in the early days, we had Whole Foods wanted to bring us nationwide, and we literally didn't have enough capital to do it. We couldn't afford their free fill. Um, And so that was like, I had to get really good at fundraising and good at fundraising quickly, just in order to be able to, to hit the, the growth targets that we wanted
0: you and I were talking right before this, you built up a board. Did you build your board immediately? Like right when you were starting? Or what sort of prompted you to actually build a board?
1: Yeah, I'm a big believer in in building an advisory board, like, even before a business plan. I think that one of the coolest things about this industry is just how open people are to having conversations to offering advice. Um, You know, i talk to probably an entrepreneur, early stage entrepreneur every week. And but I also ping, you know, later stage entrepreneurs. I'm like, hey, how'd you do this thing? Can we can we talk about, you know, the the issues we're seeing with UNFI? Are you seeing them too? Um, that kind of stuff. And I so we have an incredible advisory board who, you know, then as we raise more capital, we formalized into an actual governing board. Um but I think that having some some wisdom around the table Has been extremely helpful for us.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, and it's a mixture. You're, as you said, you have an advisory board, and then you have a regular board. So it's a mixture. It's not just of the investors either. You've brought in people that have been in the industry that you can learn from, um, which I think is also really, really important. So, um, so you've launched a company off of an ingredient, and you've launched products in the superfoods space in the powder industry and then in the snacks. So, how do you decide that? Like how how do you decide to go into different categories? When do you go into different categories as well?
1: Yeah. Good question. Um I think if I could do it all again, I would have gone into less categories right away. I think that, you know, the challenge of kind of being focused around an ingredient and like, oh, we could put it into this, we could put it into that, we could do all these different things. And then all of a sudden you're working with five different co-packers and like, you know, three different fires. Um, and so I think we've actually now Made a distinct effort to really focus on okay, what are the the product lines and the the categories that are really working for us, and how do we double down there as opposed to spreading ourselves too thin? Um, but I think a lot of it has come from like trying to understand like how are our customers using moringa, and we've heard you know the number one way that people use it is in a smoothie, and so we have developed you know our powder line our pure meringue powder a lot of folks add to smoothies we also have an energy shake line that they can just mix with water we're coming out with another really exciting smoothie product next year um and then we also heard from folks and especially millennial gen z that like they're not into powders as much they still want the benefits of superfoods but they want to get them in like a tasty easy simple way and so that's where we came out with our gummies which have done really really well um And then I think, you know, some of our other products on the snack side, it's like, how do you put superfoods into chocolate? How do you get, you know, superfoods on a bar? Um, But trying to kind of test and learn as we go.
0: I think that's the way to do it. And what you're describing is just trying, right? And I just have to get out there and try and figure out, uh, go to your local stores, go to your local farmer's market, try and figure out, is this really what the consumer is looking to put their money into? And do they actually think it's going to help them in some way, which again, you're a mission-based entrepreneur with a purpose, not only to uh, help consumers, but also the backstory of helping the farmers uh, and, and what you're doing. So how has that developed? Obviously, that was a conversation as you're living there and like, you'd really love to bring it so what do you think many of these farmers, and Ahmed talked a little bit about this too, like what have you found that they really need along the way that they're sort of not getting in order to supply you with what you need in order to sell it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the, you know, the fundamental thing that we supply is like access to a market that they wouldn't be able to access on their own. Um, so most of the small farmers we partner with, they sell a number of crops locally, some of them staple crops, some of them more specialty crops like Moringa and others. Um, but we pay them far more than they can sell locally for that same product. We also source a much higher quantity um, and then really enable them to sell on the US market. I think that's kind of the fundamental. And then I think on top of that we find a lot of them need support on quality, a lot of them need support on financing. Um, you know, there's there's kind of a number of different ways from sending out you know, technical experts to their farm to help them there to um, putting in like basically pre-purchasing moringa um, so that they have like money on hand to actually do the harvest uh, that sort of thing. And, and so we we base it a lot on like you know what are what do they need and, and what can how can we partner with them. Um, so there's kind of no one size fits all, but I think that is a big way that we support them. And then we also really love supporting them in some of the impact initiatives. So, you know, all of the the different organizations we partner with are social enterprises. They're generally started by people from there, you know, so someone from Uganda or someone from Ghana or, or someone from Mozambique who really cares about their community, who wants to find a way to like improve the lives of the people around them. And so partnering with them to do get Moringa in school feeding programs or, you know, do some nutritional trainings where they like uh, help folks understand how to use it or give out a ton ton of little seedlings. So every household in their village like has a Moringa tree growing in their backyard. Um, We we really kind of try to figure out what are they excited about? What do they think their community needs? And how can we support that with kind of small grants or, or other ways.
0: I love that. So you've raised money and you hadn't raised money before, correct? No, no. It's
1: all, all very this is the new. First time.
0: <laughs> I love it. So somebody was just actually, Julia Borstein was just on uh, the podcast and she was talking about this, that the amount of capital That is going to women is actually less than it was. Uh, It used to be 3%, and now it is 2% of venture capital is actually going to women. I don't think you've raised money through venture. Uh, You've actually done it through Angel, but I'd love to hear more. We have, actually. We
1: have. We've raised um, about 10.5 million, um, 10.6 to be exact. Um, In the early days, that was like crowdfunding that was angel investors so that's where you started with crowdfunding and angels yep and then in 2017 mixing up my years here i did this pitch event and someone from kellogg's came up to me at the end and was like i really love what you're doing we're really interested we're starting a venture fund would you be interested in the conversation which to me was like seemed weird because it was you know this sort of African superfood, um, very different than you know, frost and flakes. Like, what are they? What is Kellogg's interested in, in us for? Um, but ended up getting to go to Battle Creek, had a long conversation with their CEO and a bunch of their exec team, and and totally fell in love with this idea of like, oh yeah, you guys were started like really with this mission of, of plant based food, and you know, they they only sell plant based products and. Um, I think, have one of the best-run foundations in the world in terms of their, their WK Kellogg Foundation and what that does. Um, and so we actually became the first company that Kellogg invested in. Wow. Um, so kind of kicked off their venture arm and then got a few other great investors. So S2G, who I know that you know as well, InvestEco, um, and Authentic Ventures, Rakana, a few others kind of came on board and... Um, did our series A. And then more recently in 2019, did a series B uh, right before COVID, which I'm very grateful. that <laughs> We closed it before everything shut
0: down. That's amazing. What do you think are the key things that they look for in investments sort of as you moved from seed? And what what are kind of the the key things? What advice would you give to people who are thinking, okay, maybe I am ready to go and look at some of these venture companies. And not every venture company is the same, too. I mean, they invest in different um, size and and obviously categories, too. But I'm curious what you think about what they would look for.
1: So I think, I mean, there's this, in some ways, unspoken million-dollar magic rule in VC, B- where it's like, you're not a real company in CPG until you've crossed a million-dollar like a million dollars in sales in the mind of a lot of venture firms. And I think I didn't really know that initially. You know, we had started talking to some VC and they're like, they're uterially, uterially. And somebody finally, somebody was like, just like, wait until you're at a million dollars. And that is, for a lot of them, that is the marker of like, you've gotten some scale. You're now ready for more capital to improve that scale. Um, I think having a really clear innovation pipeline and having an understanding of like, where you fit into the category, where the white space is, where you can grow, um, you know who is your consumer, and then I think a solid team. Like I think, you know, they say in the early days, investors are, are investing in you; they're not investing in the idea. Like they they need to know that you've got a great team. And I think when you get to the VC stage, it's they're investing in you and they're investing in the leadership team that you've built or that you're planning to build. And they understand that you know how to surround yourself with the right people,
0: yeah, no, I think that that is so key. So it and obviously, they want to see what your growth story is, but also the fact that I think you created an entirely new category that was taking off, right? They wanted to get in on it, which is uh, super, super cool. So a lot of people listening um probably think, oh, Lisa just snapped her fingers. She's done a lot of amazing things. She's been you know, working f- with the United Nations. She's in the Peace Corps. She's worked under the Obama administration. Of course she can do this. And they don't really understand how hard and challenging it is to launch a physical good um, in an entirely new category. But I'm sure that the path was mostly six X's, but, but maybe there were a couple of failures along the way or challenges along the way. I always like to ask founders about what were some of those challenges. Uh, I'd love to hear a story just kind of sharing exactly what you ran across and maybe what lessons you learned from
1: it. I would argue we've, we've failed our way forward, <laughs> um, that it has not, it. has not been easy, has not been, um, just, you know, easy successes. I think one of the ones that comes to mind was actually in 2016 when we had just amazingly gotten the green light from Whole Foods. They wanted to launch us nationwide. At the time, we were sourcing from one women's cooperative in Ghana. And about three months before we were supposed to launch, we heard from our uh supplier, she actually like whatsapped me this photo of just like a huge wildfire in northern Ghana. And just like basically the entire farm had burned down. And Ugh. so our <laughs> whole <laughs> launch plan Ugh. just came crashing down. And it was one of those moments where you know, I, I just sort of sat there and I'm like, I don't, are we going to survive this? Like, is, is this the end? I'm not sure. It was also a moment of self-reflection because so much of what we had been doing had been like working with women's cooperatives, you know, specifically the, this one in Ghana and just like all of our imagery, everything had been around our partnership with them and, and, you know, direct from source. And we, kind of like looked around or like, where else can we get it? And ended up finding this family farm in Nicaragua that, you know, had like was paying employees, fair wages, a very different business model, very high quality Moringa, um, but like totally different part of the world, totally different from like what we had thought we were going to source. And I kind of like, was like, you know, actually, maybe it's, maybe it doesn't, have to be this like only women's cooperatives, only West Africa. Um, Maybe there is more we can do in in supporting small farmers, um, even if it's not a cooperative, even if it's like a social business. Um, And that to me, at the end of the day, like no market, no mission. Like if we we didn't take this launch, if we went out of stock on shelves, like that was not going to fulfill our mission. And so we source. We somehow managed to get a ton of Moringa in like a full container of Moringa to the US in like a couple of weeks, which I don't think is possible these days, um, and got it into production and just skated by and produced in time. So I think that was a big, big learning moment and big uh, learning moment in supply chain diversification, which we now have. Um, So we now source from actually seven different countries around the world and have built a much more robust supply chain.
0: Yes. Diversification is uh, definitely such a key thing and being able to, I've talked about that over and over again, not just in um, supply chain, but also in sales channels. And I think that the biggest challenge that so many people talk about to the life of an entrepreneur is it's not a wave. There are spikes, right? Where things go really great and then they're really bad. And, and, you know, in this constant spike. And I think it's just, uh, it can be really stressful. And, you know, I I think that oftentimes, you know, you've got a team that is listening and uh, to you and wants to see that you think it's okay too, but then you're dealing with, um, you know, a fire on... In, in, in your major supplier. I mean it's it's yeah, literal
1: you, or figurative fires. There's a lot of fires to put out. Yeah,
0: it's not for the faint of heart at all, but I also think that there's a lot of value in everything that you're doing. I'm I'm so curious. Uh, last question, actually, why do you like being an entrepreneur?
1: I like being an entrepreneur because I feel like I learn something new every day and because I get to interact with such cool people like you
0: oh that's so (laughs) nice well I I love that I mean I I I agree and I think you hit the nail on the head with learning that is such a key key piece of I think you know the curiosity piece no matter what industry you're in
1: and I think that's one of the things that I tell other entrepreneurs who say you know oh I I can't start a company, I need an MBA, or I can't start a company, I need, you know, I need a lot of money behind me. It's like, you know, I started a company in industry where I knew no one I knew I never worked in CPG. And I know you did too. And I think it's, it's more about having the passion, having the grit to see the idea through and, and really knowing about knowing how to ask for help and how to learn as you go.
0: Absolutely. Well, this is so, so incredible. And uh, we'll have everything in the show notes how to get your product. If people are just trying it for the first time, what should they try first?
1: I would say our new gummies. I am super excited about these. I honestly, the most delicious superfood gummies, and particularly the most delicious greens gummies you've ever tried. So even if you're not a green smoothie person, if you're not into greens, you feel like you should be eating them try our super green gummies, you will not be disappointed.
0: I love it. So we'll have all of the ordering information there. But Cooley Cooley is the name of the brand again. And Lisa Curtis is the rock star founder and CEO. So thankful for you coming on and sharing the story. And we will be definitely looking out for your products and also all of your progress. So thank you again.